Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker. My name is Adele Grissoff and this is RFI Group's Insight-backed podcast focused on key trends, thought leadership and best practice within the fast-growing and dynamic world of digital banking. RFI Group research shows that one of the biggest priorities for SMEs around the globe is to improve efficiencies within their organisations. Now, more than ever, business owners require simple and speedy ways to effectively manage their financial positions across operations, cash flow management and access to financing. On today's episode, we discuss this shifting service model approach with Katrin Herling, CEO and co-founder at Funding Exchange, and Kirk Simpson, CEO and co-founder at Wave. Katrin shares the impacts of open banking and PSD2 on the SME sector and why businesses are looking outside of traditional banks to fulfill their lending needs. Pleased to be joined by Katrin, a CEO and founder of Funding Exchange, and we're here to talk all about the impacts of open banking and PSD2, but specifically on the SME sector. Thank you so much for being here, Katrin. Thank you for having me. So can you start with a bit of an introduction into Funding Exchange and, and the catalyst behind you creating the organization? Absolutely. So Funding Exchange is trying to set out to create transparency in a sector that has had traditionally very little transparency, SME lending. The proposition we have for our businesses to give them visibility on all of the finance solutions that are available to them and provide them with personalized terms that allow them to compare bank, non-bank and alternative finance. The reason we set out in this, on this journey is actually twofold. Firstly, I had a personal experience where I was seeking finance for a small dairy farm uh, that is within our family and experienced firsthand the difficulties of trying to understand the different finance solutions that we would have been able to access to cover working capital needs. And having worked in the banking sector, I was surprised myself that I did not understand where to go for finance or how to be able to compare the terms. Mm. I've worked during the financial crisis with banks across continental Europe and actually had a very privileged position in terms of helping them understand how to transform the commercial banking operations. And this is really the second part of the proposition that we're taking to market, which is about helping lenders access the right businesses that they want to fund in a much more efficient and frictionless way. And what we're doing as a result of that is actually using data analytics and specifically access to live transactional data to help businesses understand what they can access, but also introduce to lenders and banks the businesses that they want to fund and that already have an understanding of what they can provide. So it's removing friction from a sector that has really suffered from a lot of friction in the past. Mm. And you've really done some incredible work, both in Europe, but also expanding globally as we speak around kind of aiding that transparency for SMEs, as you said, around working capital and funding. But what are the biggest challenges that SMEs are still facing today? And more specifically, what impact do you think open banking and PSC2 is going to have? It's a really good question. And I would actually argue that um, many small business owners are very, very good at running their business and very passionate about running their business, working with employees, producing products that customers want, building new relationships. But small business owners typically don't start off saying, I want to manage the accounts and the finances of my business. And it often is an afterthought. And so from our perspective, one of the biggest challenges that small businesses actually face is having a decent understanding of their finances and specifically their cash flow. 
So if we think about helping businesses, we very much think about how do we create very simple, easy tools that allow businesses to manage their cash flow more effectively so that they're not surprised by events that are coming up and that may actually reduce the available finance that they require to conduct their business on a day-to-day basis. So giving businesses tools that allow them to understand their financial position and proactively manage the financial position, that is really core to what we're trying to achieve. Mm. And how specifically is open banking going to make that much more of a reality for small businesses? Yeah, so open banking is, is an interesting concept where with open banking, a lot of people think about it as creating apps that require access to open banking data to then actually surface answers back to consumers or small businesses. Mm. Actually, we think of open banking much more as an enabling infrastructure that sits in the background and allows us to manage and monitor finances smoothly. So, for example, we're actually working with one of the largest accounting software providers, Sage, to develop tools within an accounting solution that businesses today already use that allows the business to understand both what their future cash flow looks like, but also make decisions today that provide them with a more solid foundation of managing their finances in the future and avoid emergencies in the future. Mm. And it's that type of dashboards and tools that integrate data from different sources and create transparency on where you're standing as a business that makes it really, really easy to understand where you are today and what you can do today to have a better outcome tomorrow that will transform the way businesses are being managed. Mm. And with that integration of data, there's obviously more and more data exchange that's going to be happening in this open banking world. Are you seeing any concerns from small businesses around that data exchange? Small businesses, we found, have a very different attitude to data sharing than, than consumers. Yeah. And the value exchange for small businesses that are struggling to effectively manage their finances, reduce the time that they spend managing their finances, which too often is done after 8 p.m. at night. So the value exchange to businesses in terms of sharing their data is much, much clearer than it is actually to a consumer, where often it's a promise of value rather than delivery of value. And as you will know, today already in the pre-open banking days, of small businesses would have been comfortable connecting their bank accounts with their accounting software, for example, to facilitate reconciliation of payments with the accounts, etc. So it is actually a, an environment, the small business environment, is one where the data sharing concerns are much less and the value proposition, the value exchange is much clearer mm. than we actually believe it is in the consumer space today. Mm. And so we're talking about sort of aggregation services are massive in the consumer side of things. And that seems to be quite a large focus of where people are talking when they're talking about PSC2 and open banking. And you've done a lot of work in kind of highlighting market competition and pricing, etc. in lending products with SMEs. And RFI group research shows that businesses are increasingly more open to switching with 35% saying they're likely to switch. So how much of a difference have you seen in switching behaviours from businesses when they've got the transparency that your platform is providing? Yeah, so it's quite interesting what we've seen over the last few years where alternative finance and challenger banks have traditionally actually been focused on segments of the SME population that were not served by banks, were not able to access our bank finance. 
And this has really, over the last two years, changed dramatically as more and more bank customers are actually choosing funding products from non-bank providers or not their main bank for the service proposition. And this is James Meekings, the CEO of Funding Circle, actually spoke about this in Parliament a few weeks ago as we provided testimony to the Treasury Committee and was suggesting that 75% of the customers funding Circle service today are actually customers that have access to bank funding lines but are choosing Funding Circle because of the service proposition. So that's the shift, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's gone from the customers that the banks won't serve to actual market share from the banks. Yes, exactly. So, And the banks are starting to wake up to this. Mm. So while I think um, even a year ago, most banks would have said, well, that's great that there are solutions out there, but these are customers I'm, I'm unable to serve. So this is additional finance to what I can provide. A number of the large banks are now waking up and saying, well, clearly I'm losing customers I would like to retain. And they're voting with their feet. And it's not about price. It's mm. actually about the simplicity and access to the service that these alternative lenders are providing. Now, the good news for small businesses is that the banks are changing. Mm. And the banks are using both open banking and some of the PSC2 regulation that are coming in to actually update their own servicing model. Now, how well they will deliver it, we don't know yet. This is all still quite nascent. But the good news is that the alternative finance sector has certainly established that there is a under-delivery in terms of the service models that mm. banks are providing. And the banks are finally waking up. It's interesting. You spoke at our business banking forum earlier in the year following Ian Rand, CEO of Barclays Business Bank, and two very different perspectives, but ultimately the same messaging and PSD2 and open banking really transforming kind of how Barclays are viewing it. And it, I found that quite interesting that you, I sort of expected two presentations that were going to be quite different in their overarching outlook. And what you got was two innovators talking about it from different spectrums. I agree. And this yeah. is great news for small businesses that the banks are actually thinking about this both as a, as a threat and as an opportunity. Mm. And to see somebody like Barclays take the lead and develop tools that allow you to apply online for bank finance, get answers quickly and effectively. Fantastic for Barclays to take the lead in the industry. Mm. So crystal ball moment, Catherine, to finish off. What predictions do you have in terms of innovation and trends that are really going to be impacting the SME banking space over the next 12 months? Well, I think the big question is who is able to deliver on the, a value proposition that retains the customer relationship. Mm. Um, I think the banks are all watching quite carefully what uh, cloud accounting providers and others are doing as PST, PST2 allows them to integrate transactional services into their own environment, uh, making it possible for small businesses to seamlessly transact within, for example, cloud accounting. So when you're making... When you're, when you're submitting payroll, you can automatically um, uh, make the payments. If you're making international invoice, uh, issuing international invoices or paying international invoices, no longer need to go to your bank, mm. but to retain the eyeballs in that cloud accounting environment. Now, that clearly is a threat to the banks uh, that want to retain that core relationship with the customer. And I think it will be interesting to see how the banks will be adopting some of the service models and some of the value propositions 
that you would traditionally have found outside of the banking sector around tools that help you manage your business better. Mm. Uh, having seen, for example, RBS buying free agent uh, software provider who specifically focused on, on sole traders, I think gives us a glimpse of how these sectors are converging and there will be different service models emerging. I think I'm not prepared yet to bring my crystal ball out as to who's going to win, but I think we will see different models, some of them led by non-banks, but also by banks changing quite dramatic, dramatically in terms of how they're interacting and providing services and solutions to their own customers. Working with uh, providers like uh, free agents, but also bringing together service solutions from lending to payments where they want to open up to their own customers, the best solutions that are available in the market. So will we see a supermarket uh, solution that the banks are providing, where some of it is white-labeled, their own propositions, some of it is uh, the white-labeling of, of third-party propositions? I suspect we're seeing a lot of indications that the banks are going down this path. Mm. Um, will that be enough to stem off the competition that's coming from likes of Sage and, and other providers like Zero, we'll see. We've traditionally seen a lot of inertia, but I think some of the studies you're showing us also point at the desire for particularly younger consumers mm. to explore new solutions. So inertia traditionally, yes, a big theme in banking in the UK. Is it going to be as big a theme in the future? My crystal ball would say no. <laughs> Thanks so much for your predictions and, and all of those insights and for joining us today. Kirk discusses the importance of integrated financial workflows and the key to achieving mass distribution at scale. So I'm pleased to be joined by Kirk Simpson, CEO of Wave. Thank you, Kirk, for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Wave is very passionate about what we would call small businesses, not small, medium-sized businesses, but actually small businesses. So most people aren't aware that the definition, according to the U.S. Census anyways, of a small, medium-sized business is up to 500 employees. Mm. And we would argue there's a very, very big difference between a two-person company and a 400-person company. When we talk about small business, for us, that means sort of 10 employees or less. For those types of small business owners, they really don't care in our opinion about how the money is moving or um, whether or not it's a bank account or a credit card or a line of credit or those kinds of things. What they're worried about is how am I gonna run my business more successfully? How am I gonna make sure that I've got the income that I need, that I'm controlling my expenses, all of those kinds of things. And so for us, it's kind of a, a boring term, but it's all about the sort of workflows of a small business owner. So I want to send out an invoice, I want to get paid. Uh, I need to pay my bills, I need my accounting records to be up to date so that I know how much I owe the government, for example. And so the bank account itself doesn't matter. It's these workflows that we would argue are the most important thing for running a small business. Mm. And within Wave, you are offering a lot of products and services that I guess are a part of that, what you're talking about, those workflows. So, you know, small business financial management software, which integrates invoicing, payments, loans, payroll, receipt management functions, and so on. So it's essentially a one-stop shop for small businesses. And as you said, for these type of businesses, that's exactly what they're looking for, real, that real assistance without bothering about anything else. So why do you think organizations before have struggled to offer all of this and why have they not been focused on offering a better experience for their small business customers? 
The first thing is is that going after small businesses is very challenging. Mm. It's hard to find distribution at a cost of acquisition that actually makes sense. Mm. And so there's been a lot of software companies that have either done two things in order to make their economics work. One is either, unfortunately, they've gone out of business because they've really tried to go after this market and they can't find distribution at scale. Or secondly, they end up going up market to larger size businesses. Mm. And so for Wave, one of our most important um, sort of observations about the market was 50 to 60% of these guys are using spreadsheets, shoeboxes, Word docs, <laughs> et cetera. Why are they doing that? Mm. One of the reasons is because they don't really want to pay $50 a month for software that they don't really want to use. Mm. And so by giving the platform of invoicing and accounting away for free, we're taking them off the sidelines. And then, of course, because we're a business, we need to make money. We needed to add in other services that would drive revenue. So we've added in credit card payments, bank-to-bank payments, payroll, et cetera. Mm. Now, I will tell you, we've created a very wide ecosystem of products, and you did well to describe them. And (laughs) we've got to live up to the products that we've put into the market. It's a lot of software to do well. And so we've been on a journey, you know, step-by-step to make sure that all of this software gives small business owners what they need. And we'll be on that journey for many years to come because of the breadth uh, of what we've got out there in the market. Yeah. And you sort of referenced how, you know, critically time poor small businesses are and they really need assistance in just creating the easiest financing processing for them. You know, they also might not have as much time to explore different products and services that are in the market. So how do you convince these business owners uh, about your value proposition and, and how do you reach them? A couple of answers to that. So first of all, uh, free really helps, right? And so free is a very good marketing tactic to get people off the sidelines to try something, number one. Number two is, you know, in the month of January, we would have signed up about 83,000 businesses to wave. Wow. Um, across the world. And a lot of that is coming from other small business owners telling, you know, their friends and their compatriots of small business owners to give it a shot. And there's nothing like a personal referral to get you to try something. So that's really how we're getting, you know, mass distribution at scale. But the other answer to your question is you're very much right. These are time-starved entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the market has gone out saying, you know, this tool is going to be good for this one function that you have. This tool is going to be good for another function. This one is for a third and so on and so on. And they believe that connecting all of this through APIs is the right way to go for small business owners. And our belief is that that's not the right way to go. Mm. That small business owners, they don't have the time, nor oftentimes do they have the technological sophistication in order to know how to stitch all of that together. Yeah, well, that's still using shoeboxes, right? That's right. <laughs> and so we're really trying to build that all in one system so that it sticks together and it and it fits that time-starved, you know, entrepreneur's need. Mm. And you mentioned the I mean, amazing figures that you've got of business Thank owners you. onboarded um, around the world. Yeah. Um, so you are a global company. Have you noticed any difference geographically in terms of catering for SME needs? Are there any areas that are doing it best? Yeah, so I've had the good fortune over the last, you know, couple of years to travel a little bit with Wave and to look and see how different markets are behaving. Mm. Certainly one of the areas that jumps out to me is actually we visited India last year and we actually have tens of thousands of customers in India even though we've never 
customized for that market or spent any time or, or dollars in that market. And so we wanted to go and understand what was happening there. And I think, you know, what's interesting in those markets is in North America, in a lot of ways, we're really saddled with this banking infrastructure that was built a long time ago, oftentimes on Cobalt or, you know, some old programming language. Mm. And it's very difficult to innovate on top of those platforms. Whereas in markets like India, what we're finding is that they're able to leapfrog to the next generation of products. And so an example is Adhar, which is their digital identity product, where Mm. I believe latest numbers are over a billion Indians now have this digital identity number, which obviously has a lot of value in terms of fraud detection and that kind of stuff. And then they've also come out with IMPS, which is instant payment, again, moving money much more seamlessly without any of the difficulties of the ACH system, which we have here. So there's lots of real innovation happening out there in the market. And I think the question is, how do you take some of the best of that and bring that back to the North American market? And that's where we are really, really focused is is in North America. Mm. And so it is good to see that innovation happening in other markets and then figure out, you know, where is the world moving and how do we bring that here faster for our customers? Mm. We've actually had a previous episode looking specifically at that leapfrog effect in right. some of those Asian markets. And it, it's fascinating. It really is. The way it, it's just mobile first and has been for yes. so long that they can create those innovations. It's, yes. it's amazing. So I wanted to talk more about some of your successful partnerships because you've had some great ones around the world. You've partnered with one of the big five Canadian banks, RBC, uh, as well as NAB in Australia and OnDeck, just to name a few. So partnerships have obviously become very much a staple in the fintech bank relationships within that ecosystem. So can you talk specifically about how you've been able to make that partnership a success? Right. So one of our first partnerships was actually with with Vantif and Fifth Third Bank in the US to where we built all of our own payment processing. And very early on, we brought on a, a really important person into the Wave executive team, a guy by the name of Les Whiting, who had a long history with TD and with uh, First Data, mm-hmm. and so knew a lot of the ins and outs of the banking environment. And I think there were you know, a couple of key things that we did early on that I think have set us up for success in this partner channel uh, moving forward. So number one is we were always very, very focused on the customer. Mm. And we were customer first in our thinking. And I think, you know, the right organization sort of understand and get that. And so it sets us off on the right foot where we're not dealing with, you know, all the legal language, et cetera, as first principles. What we're dealing with is, is there a customer need? How are we going to serve that? What does that look like? The second is that because I'm a little bit older as an entrepreneur, we skew a little bit older as an organization. And I think there's a level of maturity in the organization with the executive team having a long career before Wave, mm. where when you want to partner with big banks, etc., there needs to be a level of maturity and a commitment to things like compliance. And in an Uber world where there's been a lot of startups who have seen success by quite frankly flouting the rules. We took a very different approach, which is we want to innovate for the customer, but we understand that there's a regulatory framework here that's very important that we adhere to and quite frankly, exceed at. Mm. And so I think all of the that as a mix has made us um, be partner friendly. And, and again, most importantly, center on what is the value for the customer 
um, before we do any of these partnerships. Mm. It's like focusing on that fin part of the fintech, right. which, you know, financial services is rooted in regulation. Yes. And so, yeah, bringing that experience is obviously vital. It's really, really important. Mm. So I want you to take a sort of crystal ball moment. If you had to pick one technology that you think is going to really transform how we're serving our SME banking customers, what would you say? Insert latest buzzwords here, right? (laughs) You know, for us, I can only speak about sort of our business. And again, I'm I'm unfortunately going to use uh, buzzwords. But for us, what we're really excited about is machine learning. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, no one in small business wants to be doing bookkeeping. Everybody hates it. No one wants to be doing account reconciliation. Every small business owners want better insight about what's happening in their business. And so what we believe is that we can start automating away a lot of the pain of bookkeeping. Our end state is invisible bookkeeping. And where we can get to when the data is very robust and clean is to start benchmarking them against other photographers. For instance, if I'm a photographer in New York City, how am I doing in stacking up against other photographers? How can I improve my business um, by understanding some of the the fundamentals in in a more efficient fashion? That's where we get really, really excited about where this can go. So despite it being, you know, an overused term for us, as we apply it here, we think it has real customer benefit. Yeah, to actually help a business grow beyond just financing. Correct. So it's not just lending to grow, it's actual useful insights. Insight. Oftentimes, you know, something like 82% of small business owners that fail Mm. are citing cash flow as being the problem that got them to a failure position. And so together with both the banking partners and us, That's the problem we need to solve. And if we can do that, quite frankly, we can dramatically change the way that small business owners operate. It's a really fascinating proposition and we're all excited to see how it continues to grow. So thank you so much, Kirk, for joining me on the episode today. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week. To view the show notes from this episode, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. To get in touch with us, check out our Instagram, Global Digital Banker, Twitter at GDB Podcast or on Facebook under Global Digital Banker Podcast. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.